Let's get ready to rumble and let's get ready to podcast. What's up, sharpshooters, and welcome to the Holy Shoot Podcast, a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Broderick, and joining me is just Jason today. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good. Hello, everyone. Hope you're, hope you're all doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you don't sound too well, mate. I'm slightly down in the dumps. I've, I've had a bit of an injury this morning. It's a bit cold and icy over in Woking in London at the moment, and I managed to slide over on my bike and smash my wrist into the icy ground. So I am on the shelf, but hoping to be back in time for Mania. Oh, dear. Well, um, hope you get better soon. I've got it's a better week for me, though. Yeah, better. You had a great week, it seems like. You might want to tell everyone about that. There's only a little thing for this podcast, but uh, none other than the Women's Royal Rumble got in touch with us. Becky Lynch. Mm. And I guess you want to detail why Becky Lynch is now your best friend and you'll be sitting with her at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, I clearly definitely going to join her in the ring walk alongside Conor McGregor at WrestleMania 35. But joking aside, so basically, uh, we here the Holy Shoot podcast. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you should follow us at Holy Shoot Pod. Uh, we uh, participated in Becky Lynch's uh, Q and A hashtag the ma- Ask the Man, and uh, I think I asked a question along the lines of whether she thinks that the SmackDown Women's Championship should be considered a world championship and funny enough she responded right away without me knowing and she said uh, only if i'm holding it so i can now confirm that becky lynch is clearly a friend of this podcast and unlike chen you know i do make a, a few wrestlers pay attention now and again <laughs> And this is, um, you've got three of the women of the WWE liking and commenting or doing something in response to your tweets now from the Holy Shoot account, correct? Yeah, we've had Rhea Ripley and uh, I think earlier this earlier this month, yeah, it's about the NXT year-end awards and um, Casey Cantazaro, um, she liked one of my tweets after I um, said um, that she had my favourite spot of the match and possibly of the night, but we shall get on to that a little later because up first, before we review the Royal Rumble and NXT TakeOver Phoenix, is some news. So shall we start with a big story, Jason, about Dean Ambrose's release? Let's go into the hot news that everyone is talking about in the last 24 hours. Yes, indeed. So um, the big story is uh, just after the Royal Rumble, Dean Ambrose, also known as Jonathan Good in real life, is apparently leaving the WWE after WrestleMania. Um, John is apparently fed up with the hokey stuff, according to uh, Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch. And he's not only rejected a new deal, but he rejected a significant raise that came with it too. Apparently, from one report I read, I can't just put my finger on it, but it was around 6 to $7 million over the next five years. And WWE.com, on top of that, announced that they were releasing uh, Ambrose at the end of April in a statement. So it must be quite concerned to lose Ambrose. But my question for you, Jason, is, is it a work or is it a shoot? Uh, I believe it's a true event. I mean, Wade Keller is one of the most respected journalists in pro wrestling. He's someone I've one of the guys I've been following since I really got into, I guess, the dirt sheets, as they're called. And he doesn't really post the stuff you see on some of the copy and paste page, you know, sites. He's got sources that generally he relies on, and he, only, he doesn't publish a huge amount of like, breaking news like this. So when he does, you know it's legit. So unless he's being worked really well, this would be a true story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it would, yeah, it's, it's unlikely that Wade is getting worked, but, you know... There were stories earlier last year about uh, fake news stories being put out to contacts of these journalists. So who knows? But I think it might do John some good to go to another major federation in North America or just go back into the indie scene because he seems creatively stifled. I think they've wasted what could have potentially been a face of the company in Dean Ambrose. Um I think AEW would be very good to sign him. I think the other thing we have to wonder is what will happen to Renee Young? I think um, in terms of 
John Good or Ambrose or Moxie or whatever he's going to have to call himself. I think he's going to make an impact somewhere. It won't be an impact. I can't imagine he's going to go there. I'd imagine. That I would like to see Ambrose versus Callahan. I don't know if I want to legitimize Callahan. I'm not a fan, but I know you're a fan of that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's going to be more like AEW. He could be a real, you know, they want to make it. They want to make a statement. Having Jericho and Ambrose would be a big news story. So. Moving on to another release that is also a big story that just came out um, prior to recording, and that is Hideo Itami is also leaving the WWE. I think he has just been um, granted his release. Jason, what what are your thoughts on Itami leaving? Itami is a funny one. We were talking this the other day, and you saw him at the pre-show at the Rumble. He looks so disinterested, so jaded, just out of shape and like he didn't want to be there. And I remember I said to you, like, is this a gimmick now? And I'm just not up to speed. But it seems like he just didn't want to be there. And after the 205 Live, he was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really odd at, um, at the Royal Rumble, seeing Itami uh, look jaded. He looked out of shape. I don't really... You know, I don't really like accusing people of being out of shape, but he just didn't look like his normal self. And this really doesn't come as a surprise. Um, actually, I think he probably feels incredibly underutilized. He was a fantastic talent in NXT. It's just a shame that injuries got in the way. I mean, you know, he's. it's a shame that he was a big star. Uh, well, built to be a kind of a big star. He was in that battle royale at WrestleMania 31 and booked well in that and had a former NXT, he had an NXT title match against Bobby Roode uh, on an occasion a couple of years ago and it's just a shame that they've literally put him on 205 Live and he's faded to irrelevance. Yeah, I think a few years ago he was one of the bright stars of NXT before loads of big names came through NXT and unfortunately injuries, injuring other people being on 205, nothing worked out for him. So I'm assuming yeah. he's off to back off, back off to Japan. I don't imagine he's got major plans in the US, but I might be wrong. I think Cody might look at signing Kenta. I'm not entirely sure um, if they're going to think he's worth the money. But hopefully, wherever he goes next, he's happier, creatively speaking. He gets good money for what he does. And Hopefully, he restores what WWE have tarnished. Yeah, well, good luck to him. Hopefully, he can prove me wrong and become an amazing act again. Well, that uh, wraps up the news this week. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing uh, majorly important that happened outside of those two things. I think so. Shall we just go on to our review of WWE Royal Twenty Nineteen straight after this break? This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at WatchWrestling.London or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. So, the Royal Rumble was a long show, but despite its length, was it enjoyable? Jason? It was a strange one. Royal Rumble is one of my favourite shows of the year because of the Royal Rumble matches, but this did feel like a bit of a slog. I mean, it was all generally quite good, but it was a bit of a slog because nothing blew you away. Huh. I wouldn't think it was that bad a show. Um, I, I thought it went quite quick uh, the main show but that's just me um, so just for you listeners at home like our previous reviews or if you haven't listened to our, any of our previous reviews we go match by match and discuss our thoughts on each one and also we are including the pre-show this time round so first and foremost was a match just thrown together and that was Razor of Authors of Pain and Scott Dawson of the Revival facing off against the Raw Tag Team Champions Bobby Roode and Chad Gable in a non-title bout. Why? 
because they had to fill the pre-show and they couldn't just have Booker T talk for two hours driving everyone insane. It's the only logic I have behind this. Oh, shucky ducky, quack quack. Um, yeah, th- these are my notes, Jason. This was bad and pointless. It was so, quite sloppy as well. I mean, I don't know how much notice they had, but they just seemed off. The only highlight was the cameraman falling over and that was it. Yeah, at the start when Rude posed and the cameraman fell over, that's the main thing I remember. I can't remember the finish of this match. Yeah, same here. Anyway, <laughs> just move on from that one. Uh, after that, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura become a two-time United States champion as he successfully defeated Rusev to reclaim the title following Kinshasa to the back of Rusev's head. Uh, this was apparently a good match to some, but I'm not sure if I agree with that, especially now since R-Truth became United States champion two days later on SmackDown. So, Jason, your thoughts on this match and shall we briefly talk about the segment on SmackDown as well? It's a funny one. I wonder if they were planning to put the title on the truth when they did this match and they were just, they were looking ahead to what they were going to do with Rusev and they were just yeah, thinking about we need to get Rusev back here for whatever strange reason they have when everyone loves him. I mean, the main point of this match really was the Lana moment and her getting injured and making everyone wonder, ooh, what could that mean later on? Indeed, what could that mean later on? But yeah, I agree with you I don't think it was uh, I don't think any of this was good booking hopefully R-Truth does something with the belt I don't know uh, he does deserve some credit for being entertaining in comparison to Shinsuke Nakamura so I'm, I'm pleased the belt has moved on to him but the, the the actual match that we're talking about it was fine I've seen them do better on Smackdown I've seen them better on pay-per-views I think they could have done better yeah, and it looks like they're now a tag team, so let's see where that goes. Oh, goodness gracious me. So, moving on to something a bit better, and the main event of the pre-show saw Buddy Murphy see off Akira Tozawa, Hideo Itami, and Kalisto in a fatal four-way match to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, we've already discussed Hideo Itami's release, so I'm just going to say that I'm glad to see Buddy Murphy retain here. There's an awesome spot where Tazawa threw, uh, threw himself in between the ropes and Itami's legs into, I think it was either like an electric chair that Buddy Murphy had on Kalisto. I can't remember exactly the exact spot. But either way, that was an awesome spot. I loved Buddy Murphy's knees. Um, strike, knee strikes, very Kenny Omega-esque. Um, I thought this was a fun match. Yeah, I think you've nailed the key points there. I mean, that spot with the dive through the ropes with a Atami doing the least of all four guys as he did throughout the entire match. So that always sums up, I think, a lot of it. But yeah, those, but those knees of Buddy look pretty sweet, don't they? Um, yeah. I, I agree. I, I don't see them taking the belt off Buddy at the moment. I don't see anyone who would warrant it. But I'm, I guess we're wondering who will be versus Buddy in the WrestleMania pre-show main event. We shall wait and see. Hopefully, hopefully someone good. <laughs> No, I, that's can't the, I can't see anyone there. I mean, who do, who would be worthwhile? Unless they bring in someone in, like Trevor Lee goes there or something. You know, I'm not sure who is the right weight, but they've signed that could go in. They might put Aiden English. He's now a two or five guy apparently. Yeah, but so he, he's, a, he's a commentator. I don't. How much did he weigh? I'm trying to remember. Like, if he could get he down. Was, in he, he was a heavyweight, but he's definitely looking a bit leaner. Um, I've seen some stuff online where it's like I'm cutting weight, so. Who knows? I mean, it's not exactly the most realistic um, <laughs> weight limit ever applied. I mean, Buddy Murphy's definitely over 205, but you know. He makes 205 every week. He's, he gets weighed. How dare you question it? Yeah, yeah. Question the legitimacy of a sport that is not. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, before I get more hate. Um, so shall we just move on to the main show? I think that would be wise. I think we've given the pre-show enough time. Yeah, so f- from a five-minute segment to a five-hour show we're discussing about. So firstly, on the main show, we saw Oscar make Becky Lynch, of all people, the f- friend of this podcast, Becky Lynch. She doesn't know it yet. Tap out successfully to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think we're going to agree, Jason, that this match was very good, but was it the right finish? Yeah, it was a very good match. These two were never going to let you down. 
I understand Asuka having to win this match and looking at the bigger picture of what they were going to do. They kind of buried the match at the start of the show, so it would be fought about less. That was my logic, and I thought the women's match would maybe be the main event. I don't think Becky should have tapped. I think this should have been a pass out from the pain or referee stoppage type thing rather than Becky being willing to give up. Maybe this ties into some bigger plan with Ronda in terms of the fact that she did tap and they can play into that storyline-wise. But yeah, it didn't seem right to me, even though I think Asuka did fine to win. Yeah, I think it was great for Asuka in terms of making her look brilliant again and making her look legit. I think the match did an excellent job of that. But I kind of agree that Becky tapping was probably not the right booking decision. Passing out would have probably been better. Um, But I did like the fact that the Asuka lock was not good enough and that she had to go to some sort of different sort of rear uh, rear naked choke hold i really enjoyed that a couple of the spots i do want to mention that i also enjoyed asuka using the ropes and with an asuka lock i thought that was really really good and the swinging net breaker uh off the can't remember the ring apron that's it the ring apron yeah, that, I know. that was a pretty brutal looking swinging neck breaker yeah i'm not sure if asuka got all of it and I think Becky kind of saved that move, but I, I'm not looked, entirely sure. It, it looked a little clunky, like it wasn't quite a flat back like it was meant to be. Yeah, definitely not a flat back. Definitely hit the side. But yeah, I thought this I thought this match was very, very good myself. Um, arguably one of the best matches of the evening. We'll find out later uh, with our match in the night uh, statements. But yeah, I thought this was a really great match. It was a good way to start the show. And like I say, the crowd wanted to see Becky, so they got it out there early. And then we were able to move on and get on with the main storyline of the show. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, speaking of a main storyline, and this is one of the main storylines on SmackDown recently, and that is Shane McMahon and The Miz are now SmackDown Tag Team Champions after successfully defeating The Bar. Shane O'Mac hit a shooting star press better than Billy Kidman. That's not very difficult. Uh, hey, Billy Kidman hit a great shooting star press back in the day. Mm. Has it? Has it? He hit it. He hit it better than Brock Lesnar. Carrera, and they made a storyline of how the shooting star press was dangerous. I remember that. I was very impressionable. Shane <laughs> hits a better shooting star press than Brock Lesnar. We'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, but the Brock Lesnar one was iconic. Anyway, we're not talking about talking about Shane or Brock right now. I know you're a Brock hater. I know you're a Brock hater, but. Yeah, Shane O'Mac. Yeah, I thought this was fun. I thought this was, was fun. Yeah, this was. I mean, I expected this to be fun. I wasn't expecting a five star match. I expected Miz and Shane to be working that storyline progression. It was enjoyable. I think I'm. I'm starting to question. I know. I'm. It, obviously, it's going to be Miz v Shane at Mania. I mean, obviously, surely. But I'm starting to question: Is Miz actually a nice guy now? Yeah, I think so. I. I. I'm not sure. I think. Uh, Shane I think Shane might be the one turning heel but I can't really tell where the storyline is going um, I just know you, if you look at the, yeah. the, the baseball shirts they wore out so Shane is like Shane O'Mac Miz has mm-hmm. uh, Mac and Miz who's the better tag team partner of those two you know Miz is the guy that's more into the team than Shane is yeah yeah but you know on Smackdown this week Shane brings out uh Mr. Miz. <laughs> worry uh, that we're going to do a full this is your life segment and just bomb. I'm glad it didn't quite happen that way. No, I would trust the Miz to rescue it though. He's he's a vet and tons of mic work. But anyway, yeah, the match is brilliant uh, for what it was. I don't think it's going to ever, you know, be anything other than just goofy fun. Um I love the Cesaro swing on Shane McMahon. I thought that was funny, especially him holding his top together. Uh, hold, he was protecting his head and holding his gut in and tucking his shirt in. It looked very strange. Like he was like flying like Superman or something. It was a bit of an odd look. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to casually swing. But that, that was probably my favorite Cesaro swing of all time. I, I, I think it just went on forever and ever and ever. Like 20 I, I, I heard it's still going. Yeah, like oh, no, definitely over 20. Over 20. Over 20. Know. There was a lot there. Yeah, it was insane. But yeah, I had fun. You had fun with this match. And that's what an undercard match should be. Fun. So, from fun to what Michael Colkis is fun, and that's boss time. Unfortunately, uh, Sasha Banks 
did not make a believer out of anyone heading into this match with Ronda Rousey. But nonetheless, the Raw Women's Championship match was certainly a physical affair. What were your thoughts on this, Jason? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't think there was a point where I thought Ronda would be losing the belt. I remember, I mean, when we were booking that predictions last week, you said that you thought Sasha could do it, but I don't think many people bought in on that. But still, no. it was enjoyable. Ronda showed a lot of intensity, which, you know, she's great at that thing when she actually, she seems to believe it's real when she's shouting about things and saying, I'll show you some wrestling and then throw someone around and does the three amigos to, you know, almost rip off Sasha Banks. So yeah, I think it's very good. Yeah, I thought it was a very good match. I just thought the one with Bailey on Raw was slightly better, but you know, um, that 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 might be a controversial opinion. I I really like this match, but the finish kind of ruined it for me. And this has been a weird night of finishes. Um, I think ending it with a Piper's Pit was just a bit flat because that's usually a setup move. And I think how this match was playing out deserved a better ending. Yeah, I think you're right. um, now you say that, reflecting on the show, there were some odd finishes in total when you look at the overall card in terms of like either cheap finishes or just odd finishes. Yeah, and this this was a definition of odd. I it's a shame because up until that point, I was really invested in Sasha Banks. I think her tapping out on the outside of the ring kind of indicated that she wasn't going to lose by submissions. So, so that that was a bit clever. I loved like some of the NXT antics that she brought into this match, like stomping on uh, Ronda's hand when delivering the bank statement, uh, which it, it just reminds me so much of that Bailey versus Sasha match at Brooklyn. So I really, really enjoyed that match. And then the finish just went, well, you know what? That was it. And did did you enjoy like, the four horsemen hint that they then did at the end? I don't know what, exactly no, where that's going, but that was intriguing. <laughs> I'll be honest about the four horsewomen thing. I don't care. I, I, I've given up caring about it. It's, it's been going on for such a long time and it'll eventually happen. They'll make, they'll find a way to make it happen. Well, I'm the, way just I, not... the way I see it happening is at Mania, you could have four horsewomen as champs. Both women's titles and the tag belts could belong to the four horsewomen. The rumored triple threat is still to happen. I can't see that happening. I'm, but, I'm, not, I'm not buying into the um, NXT girls coming up just yet. I think that's a further down the road. No, no, no. I mean, um, Charlotte becoming SmackDown Women's Champion and you have all four. Oh, yeah, fair point. Let's see. We're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. Yeah, I don't think Jasmine Duke and Marina should feel already. So that, that's one reason why I'm just like, this four horsewomen thing, I don't want to know. I don't want to care. I, I, I just... Like Ronda is ready, Shayna is ready. The other two, I don't know anything about. I wasn't impressed with one of their tag team matches. They might have a great tag team match tonight on NXT. Um, just so you know, guys, know we're recording on Wednesday, uh, so they might have a great match with Kairi Sane and Shirai, and it might change my mind. But I kind of want to see that after Mania. I'm not sure why they're teasing it right now. Yeah, they won't change your mind. They're not ready, those girls. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we we saw one match with Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, and they yeah. lost. So. And they did naffle. They just threw punches and kicks and took some moves. They didn't do anything else. Trust me, they're not ready. Well, speaking definitive. of, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that 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 was a. Uh, yeah, that was very definitive. So, speaking of uh, the four horsemen, and one of them. Won the Women's Royal Rumble, as mentioned earlier in the pod. Uh, Becky Lynch, a.k.a. friend of the show, took Lana's spot and went on to become the second female Royal Rumble winner, eliminating Charlotte Flair last. She has also, at the time of recording, gone on to challenge Ronda Rousey for the Royal Women's Championship too. So many questions I have here for us, Jason. So many questions. You're going to be annoyed at me listing all these off. Who's your MVP? What was your favorite spot? Did the right person win? And ultimately, was this a good Royal Rumble match? Um, MVP, I'm going to pick Charlotte just because she was in there for, what, 40-odd minutes? Or was it 40, 50 minutes? She had a, she had a good amount of time, like about 40 minutes. And she was... She, she entered at number 13, I think. Yeah, she she was like pulling the match together. And, up in, and I think overall the Rumble, I, I wasn't that amazed with the start of it. I think it took a while. Um, when we got towards the end, it was really good in terms of like the drama of what was going on with Becky and Charlotte and Jax and so on. But it wasn't mm. that exciting up until that point. There was 
there was some good bit of DC coming in. I guess talking about my one of my favorite moments. The thing that I just remember the most is um, Nikki Cross making her appearance at number eight. Just oh, for, that was amazing. She brought some, it was a pretty dull rumble up until that point, let's be honest. And then she came in and there was this intensity, and you know, Billy Kay's been messing around at ringside. So Nikki turns up, just turns, smashes her into the side, you know, on the other side of the walkway, gets in there, just causes chaos, and just brought some energy to it. And the crowd seemed to be really into it. So that was good. Yeah, I did read uh, online, I'm not sure if it, how much of this is true, but she, backstage officials were really high on her after her performance. And yeah, it was, I, I can't um, blame them. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought she was brilliant coming in at number eight, knocking over Biddy Kay. She even managed to get Tamina some heat. So, yeah, Nikki Cross is fantastic. My MVP, I have two. I know it's cheating. But I have to. I really enjoyed two NXT entrants, and that was Rhea Ripley, the former NXT UK Women's Champion, and the former American Ninja War- Warrior contestant Casey Cantazaro. I thought she was really good as well. I think she had my favorite spot of the entire pay per view where she. Uh, I know these eliminations are cliched. Well, these half eliminations are cliched where both feet must, must touch the floor, but I think the way that she did it was. So immense. And her in-ring performance is absolutely brilliant as well. There's one bit where she took a big boot from Nia straight to the stomach and she went flying. It was hilarious. Um, so she was really good. And Rhea Ripley managed to get three eliminations in representing NXT UK and she looked like a total badass, which was just great to see. Yeah, I'd agree. Ripley looked like a badass. And yeah, um, Casey, I think the, most of that movie is um, when she's doing like her handstand walk along the top rope. That's, as my wife pointed out, that's a girl that knows her gymnastics and is clearly classically trained in how to do it. Yeah, yeah. She she was absolutely brilliant in that match. I'd, going back to the match itself, I kind of agree with you. It was a turgid affair uh, for the most part for me. I really didn't enjoy the first half of this match with possibly the exception of Nikki Cross. There's loads, loads of botching in this match. I think uh, a couple of things I did pick it up for me was the Naomi-Mandy Rose storyline. I think that was really tapped into really well here uh, with uh, Naomi doing a Kofi Kingston spot and then Mandy just whipping yeah, that <laughs> was good the work. ring. I thought, I'm not... I'm not a Mandy Rose fan at all. I think she's been pretty, pretty bland in everything that she's done. But you know, credit is credit where credit is due. You know, I think she was really, really good there. But for me, the best bit was the final three in that ring: Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. I thought it was a brilliant final three. It was a right final three, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I would, not- I would agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Niall hurting Becky Lynch. And then, you know, Lynch selling the knee was fantastic. And then Charlotte did a fantastic job looking heelish, trying to take advantage. She looked like the Joker. She looked insane. I loved it. I thought all three women were superb in their roles and it made for a great ending. Yeah, it was a well put together. And I think there was a few people getting worried. We, we knew Lana walked out. We were going to say, okay, Becky now appears and takes over. But they dragged it out. They kept coming back to Lana walking very slowly. They waited for Jax to beat her up. We still had to wait a bit longer. Then the crowd got what they wanted with Becky coming out. I mean, yep. some, I've, heard, I've seen some people point out, but shouldn't Becky have just stormed in and said, I'm having this, in the way that Nia Jax did in the men's rumble later on? Maybe she should have done that, but still, the fact they held it up made the crowd really want it more, I guess. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I, she felt like entrant number 31. Um, I think that's my complaint about how this was booked. I think you could have had something like, Oh, Lana's injured. She can't compete. I wonder who takes her spot. And then, boom. Whoa. I'm not going to sing. I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I think they should have done that and just have, like, a clean entry. It was good to see Fit Finley, though. I thought that was good fun. Yeah, and, I mean, I enjoyed the ending. And the thing that stood out to me throughout this match was the announcers did a pretty shit job at building up the drama. I really see, I noticed the gap in my... Yeah, you watching it with a load of people. Did you have the audio maybe not so noticeable because you had loads of people in the room? It was loud, but because people were loud too, that I had just 
a great time and I didn't have to listen to WWE's commentary, which I really, really enjoy. And that's why you should go to watch Wrestling London meetups. You should really listen back to that advert. But yeah. I think because um, I because I was not able to make it unfortunately, so I ended up watching. I didn't get to join it and watch it at the group and ignore the commentary. I was noticing it more, and I don't often miss Michael Cole, but I missed him during this match because this was pretty weak. <sighs> Phillips and Rene just couldn't amp it up and put it put on put into words what was at stake. They were just not doing the job. Michael Cole, uh, I, I told everyone that he's a good commentator. You just don't realise it, <laughs> and I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated because I've heard very similar remarks on the internet about the really bad commentary on this match. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, Phillips, Phillips is just a robot. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't think he's bad, but I just don't think he's good either. It's just, I wish I wish he was allowed to have character. But anyway, anyway, shall we move on to the probably most controversial match of the night? Yeah. Let's go for it. So AJ versus Brian. So yeah, this was running a bit slower in terms of a match than I expected it to be. I thought there was, I thought they were building to maybe a longer match, but it's probably just Daniel Bryan being a heel and he's deliberately slowing his style down. So it meant they didn't really get it up to the gear I expected. And I guess what did you think? I thought this was the most forgettable match on the main show. It started off fast and then just slowed down. Um, it didn't feel heated, especially when this right. There's nothing, nothing heated about this this match at all. I mean, I'd go as far as to say that was weaker than any of AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura's matches earlier last year. This is a really bad match, in my opinion. And the fact that Eric Rowan returned made the finish really, really weak in my eyes. And I don't have anything good to say about this match at all. The only good thing is Daniel Bryan is still champion, and we now get to see the World Hemperweight Championship. Is it just me that really likes that belt he unveiled on SmackDown? I love it. It's so bad, yet so good. I think it's one of the best custom belts I've ever seen. It's definitely an unusual one. I've never, I think we've ever seen a wooden belt before, so it's pretty sweet for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so Harper's joining him, and they're the Eco Warriors. Uh, yeah, telling us. No, to it's, that... it's not Harper. Oh, sorry, Rowan. Sorry, I got the got the wrong way around. Yeah. Look at my notes. Yeah. But yeah, Rowan. Rowan's the bigger of the two. But it's in, it's interesting. So we're meant to hate these guys that are really about looking after the environment and avoiding consumerism and just trashing the planet, and you know. That makes them bad guys. So it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, I think I'd be cheering them. So we'll see how it, how this pans out. But I think we're yeah. meant, meant to not like them for that reason. Yeah, it's just like I'm supposed to hate a guy that's anti-racism, anti-sexism, and cares about the planet. Huh? What a bastard! Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're an eco warrior. Boo. I wonder how um. I wonder how CJ Parker feels. Well, Juice Robinson now, but you know, similar gimmick. They just gave it to Daniel Bryan. <laughs> CJ was CJ trying to be a good guy when he was doing it. Oh, yeah, geez. but they slowly realised that he's getting booed, and then they turned him heel, and then he made okay. him ca- cannon fodder to Kevin Owens. It was brilliant. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the I fact, think, uh, yeah, sorry. There's not. I think there's much. Not much to this match, like you say. I mean, it was disappointing. Um, let's yeah. see what happens at the elimination chamber now, but. We've got that set up for these for these guys for the SmackDown title, which, by yeah. the way, the Watch Wrestling London group will be having a meet-up for, which you can find out about on their page. February 18th, I think. Yes, that'd be correct. Yeah, so, yeah, that's AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Mustafa Ali, and Randy Orton, I think, is uh, the lineup for Elimination Chamber, the WWE Championship match. So... That match was so bad that we didn't even want to talk about it. But onto a match that I really want to talk about, and that is Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Lesnar defeated Finn Balor with a Kimura um, to retain the Universal Championship. And whilst we did not get to see the Demon versus Beast like some hyped, this match surpassed at least my own expectations. And I want to know: Did it surpass your expectations, Jason? And did it make you believe in Balor? Well, I put my money where my mouth was and I went with my heart, not my head. I bet on Finn to win this because I wanted it to happen and I really wanted to see the demon 
that didn't happen. It was a 10-minute match where he looked strong. He gave Brock a bit of an ass kicking in terms of like you know going for the weak spot of his gut, hitting a lot of his yep. key moves. He wasn't dominated. He wasn't thrown around the ring for 10 minutes. He actually was probably the guy doing the most offensive moves and got caught at the end there. Um, I'd have loved to see him get an extra five minutes just to go a bit further and like push into it a bit more, but still really enjoyable. And I think Finn still looks pretty strong by hanging with Brock while they built up an alternative ending for a Brock match. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a fantastic match. Um, the way that neither an F5 was successfully hit or a German suplex was successfully hit was really interesting. It was a brilliant finish that, you know, Lesnar eventually ended up trapping Balor in the Kimura. And we haven't seen that move in a very long time. So... Yeah, I think it was just absolutely brilliant. And Balor looked strong, especially like going for the abdominal area of Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I I mean, I need to think about it, but I believe this was my match of the night. It's definitely like in contention for it. Like I say, if it had another five minutes, definitely. But yeah. I'm not sure if it's only 10 minutes. I don't know. Sometimes the best matches are to the point. And there was no it, filler in this match. That's, that's a fair point. Yeah, it was fast paced. It was to the point, and especially when you've had like I don't know a long Royal Rumble match and a really slow WWE title match, that this re-energized the crowd, and it kind of made me realize that Brock is actually worth the money. And Brock being Universal Champion was never really the problem. I kind of like Brock being the Universal Champion. I just think it's the abysmal storytelling everywhere else on Monday Night Raw that make people pissed off at Brock. But this is like two back-to-back performances he's put on now against Finn Balor and Daniel Bryan, where both matches were at least four stars. At yeah, least I four mean, stars. I mean, I, I think the Daniel Bryan match was better, but that's just because the way that Daniel Bryan was playing it as a fresh heel turn and like mocking Brock. Um, yeah. Did you feel? Did you think Brock looked a bit smaller? I swear he's less hulking every time I see him. But, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, not to bore too people, uh, too many people about MMA, um, but I'm not sure if he, he. Well, he hasn't been scheduled for any UFC fights um, at all at the moment. Maybe he's still trying to make weight or cut weight down a bit I'm not entirely sure what's happening there it depends also whether he can get that fight with Cormier it's a it's a murky situation of who Cormier fights next for the UFC World Heavyweight Championship so until that point I think Brock is just going to look leaner uh, until until something is confirmed and if not then Brock is going to you know probably yeah. be bigger again and I'm hoping that's a good sign because come Mania, he's going to be in there with CrossFit Jesus, so he's got to be willing to go. Yeah, CrossFit Jesus versus um, the Thanos of wrestling, as I like to call him. Yeah, this is, this is, I had to get an Avengers reference in there. Apologies. <laughs> so I guess on that, I mean, yeah, love the <laughs> match, but it ties into what we need to do next, which is the Men's Rumble. Yes, yeah, so the Men's Royal Rumble was... Um, won by Seth Rollins this year as he last eliminated Braun Strowman with a curb stomp to the ring apron. I thought that was a great finish. But before we get into the details of this match, was this better than the women's rumble in your opinion? They both have their strengths. This had a more interesting overall rumble in terms of going along, but I was less impressed by the end and I guess vice versa for the women's rumble. Yeah. And the ending, yeah, was just really, really forgettable. Um, there is absolutely, it's just an absolute weird, weird Royal Rumble match, in my opinion. So I think it started off really well with Elias and Jeff Jarrett. I'm not sure if you agree. I thought that was really fun. Um, my wife's NXT... main comment was that Jeff Jarrett looked like someone from a sex dungeon in that outfit. So, oh dear! I think, oh dear. I, think, I think I think Jeff used to better make it work, but he's aged a little bit, and now he looks like a bit of a creepy old man. Ah, oh, poor Jeff! Poor Jeff! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Elias turned heel on Jeff Jarrett. I thought that was different. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, this wasn't him going heel. This is just him being Elias, right? Because Jarrett's generally been a heel, but then on Raw they built on it more. Just yeah, I don't. Yeah. 
it, along, alongside the Rusev thing, it feels like they've looked at their rosters and think we need to move a couple of people around to balance them up. So let's see. I don't know yeah. where that's going. Only three months was his face turn. <laughs> that's so bad. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, the NXT entrance I thought were pretty good as well. It was good to see Gargano and Black have a good show in, uh, as well as Pete Dunne. Uh, Mustafa Ali had a great show too as well but the one thing I really want to talk about was Nia Jax entering at number 30 what do you think? Um, I actually enjoyed this I think it's a some people say it's controversial the whole man on woman violence but it's interesting to get into intergender matches and have her interact with some big stars you know she got to eliminate Mustafa Ali because he didn't want to hit her but then she took an RKO like a champ like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like an idea of a, a mania. I think I said a mania. Let's see, her versus Dean or her versus Randy. It doesn't work because they're all hills. But I'd enjoy that more than probably whatever they're planning for her. I, I think they make Nia face end into it, but I'm, unfortunately, she, autumn... Nia hasn't flip flopped enough. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I, one day she's face, one day she's heel. But anyway, back back to the point. I think it was great. For, test for intergender wrestling it will determine whether sponsors like it whether fan reaction likes it um i think it does promote a good message of equality i know some people didn't like it so i'm not sure how often they're going to do it it was interesting to see naya drop dean on raw yeah i think the challenge for them is going to be at the moment you know rko um what super kicking things these are wrestling moves but it's when someone punches her in the face or slaps her hard in the face or she gets caught and bleeds. That's going to be the interesting one. Like, are they going to allow that or is that going to cause some trouble with their sponsors? Or even, like, just their TV partners. We shall see. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a down... I mean, no one has... Most pro wrestling fans who watch wrestling outside of WWE don't have an issue with it because they know that it happens everywhere else. But I think what most pro wrestling fans forget is they have all these um you know these additional responsibilities you know corporate responsibilities to make sure their sponsors are happy to make sure their toy makers are happy to make sure the tv deals are happy so yeah it's uh it'll be interesting to see how far they push it again um so the other thing i wanted to touch upon was i felt the final four was pretty interesting yeah Final four, an interesting setup having the two top guys' favourites outside the ring, though, and then just trying to make us forget that was happening. I don't think anyone was buying into that at all. But yeah. Yep. Solid. solid. Yeah. We have to do some solid wrestling for a bit before we got to the final. Yeah. I really like the fact that Andrade made a final four. It really cemented the fact that they are at least pushing him to be an upper mid carder. I think that's great. And don't know about Dolph Ziggler. He wasn't on Raw, so I'm not sure why he was in the final four. Uh, maybe it's trying to keep him on board, if prevent him from going to AEW. I don't know, but it felt pointless. And yeah, Seth and Braun on the outside having a nice little rest. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Especially when Braun was at 27 and Seth. Seth, you know, he's 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 the peak of physicality, you know? Yeah, uh, he could have... I think with Seth, yep. it wasn't a case of having a nap. It was more drama because they didn't have enough drama in the match, really. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like the, fi- the final third of that match, the final half even, just really lacked anything interesting. It was kind of... It was just kind of bland. It was, Nia, a, it was, a shame. was the only real like thing that came out that surprised you in that final third. So... Seth versus Brock then, just briefly before we go on to our final thoughts. Are you looking forward to that match? Yes, that's going to be a good one to see in person. Yeah, I'm I'm, very, I'm looking forward to being there at WrestleMania too. I can't wait to see Seth versus Brock. I think it'll be a lot like uh, the last two Brock Lesnar matches that we've seen. And Seth been probably the best performer on Raw past year, so he deserves it too. I don't think anyone so, could question Seth getting this match and headlining no. or, or co-headlining Mania. I don't know. Drew McIntyre might, but that, that's for another that's for another uh, show. So, final thoughts, Jason. What grade would you give this show? What was your match of the night? And who was your MVP? 
I'm going to, I'm going to be plus a minus on the overall show. So really, I'll, I'll go B plus. I'll give my B plus just because it was all solid. I, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't hate it, but I also struggled to fault it or be amazed by it. So let's go for a B plus. Um, MVP of the night. Uh, let's go with Becky because, you know, it was a Becky story. So I'd have to go with that. Um, what was your other question? It was MVP rating nice and night. match of the night. Uh, I keep going back and forward on different matches on this, and mm-hmm. I struggle. So I'll go. I'm gonna have to go with Oscar and Becky. Fair enough. I have a similar grade to you. I'll give it a solid B. I think both Rumble matches could have been slightly better, but the winners were the right ones, in my opinion. I think. Um, the only match that disappointed on the main show was the WWE title match. So it stops me from giving it a higher grade than B. Uh, my MVP is also Becky Lynch, double duty. She worked really hard in that opener match. That was a really great match. And I thought she her performance at the end of the Royal Rumble was really good too. Also an honorary mention to Nia Jax too. I'm not a fan of hers, as people know, but in my opinion, she got everything right on Sunday. And kudos to her. However, my match of the night differs from yours, Jason. I have to go for the Universal title match between Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar. It was 10 minutes of non-stop action. It was fun. It was great. Um, yeah, I can't really say sing high praise of that match between Balor and Lesnar. So, that wraps up our Royal Rumble review. Join us after this social media ad break uh, for our NXT TakeOver Phoenix review. Hey you, if you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it! Do it now! So, NXT TakeOver Phoenix was one hell of a show. We saw titles change hands, storylines developed, and raised more questions than answers, but in a good way. And also, for Rumble Review, for you listeners, we are doing this match by match. So, Jason, I'm going to throw to you about your opinion of the War Raiders and defeating Kyle Riley and Roderick Strong of the Undisputed Era to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Yeah, sure. I can probably sum this up pretty well, I think. So I was going in, I wasn't sold yet on the War Raiders. I hadn't seen enough of them to really get behind them. But they really stepped it up in this match. It was the best I've seen them in the ring. I like their style. They're very unorthodox in the terms of big man style, using each other's weapons, really strong. You know that the Undisputed Era are always going to be really good in the ring. It probably, mm. as, it probably wasn't as good as some of the other matches they've had against, I guess, maybe smaller opponents where there's maybe yep. more going on, but it's a different kind of match to have with two big guys. It was just an enjoyable match. Um, I'm interested where Undisputed Era go along with after their promises of all of them wearing gold at some point this year, if that's all talk or if they can walk the walk at some point. But with current storylines, that's going to be hard to do. So, yeah, and overall, a solid opener, but I think everyone in attendance and watching will have enjoyed yeah, agreed. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, or if you want to go into. Yeah, I, th- I think the Raiders were slightly better in the War Games match. But that was just me. Uh, it wasn't undisputed there as best match, but overall, this was a fun match. I look forward to the Raiders tag team title reign. I think they're very good wrestlers. So yeah, and also cool entrance. Yeah, I think everyone enjoys a good like NXT special entrance. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, shall I just go on to Matt Riddle versus Cassius owner then? Yeah, I think you enjoyed that match more than you expected. Yeah, so I thought this was the best of the three matches they had. I love the submission finish where Riddle pounded Cassius into submission, quite literally, instead of an ordinary, you know, choke hold or, you know, any sort of submission hold. It was literally beating someone into submission. I thought that was very inventive, very unique, very MMA-esque, tapping into that USC uh, background of Riddle's. Um, yeah I really love the unique fate, nature of this finish it really added something to this match I think Cassius was also really good playing up his heel work um, you know stomping on uh, Riddle's feet uh, did you enjoy the toe biting I was trying to find a way of phrasing that but no that it, I mean it was disgusting it got a reaction that's what it was meant to do so fair enough I mean I I don't know where those feet have been I mean that is one 
arena floors are dirty. So, um, um, but yeah, and you know, I think that's a credit to this match. It was definitely an inventive match. Cool. Um, I don't think I have any much to, much to add to that apart from, yeah, I love the ending with the MMA striking yeah. that rather than a submission like, tap out. So shall we move on to the match of the year candidate then? Yep, this is my match of the year to date and definitely a match oh. of the year candidate. Match of the year to date. So for those who didn't watch TakeOver, Johnny Gargano beat Ricochet to become the new NXT North American champion in a match that defied even the loftiest expectations heading into this one. In a month of great, great, great wrestling, I felt that this was one of the best matches of the month and of the year, but it's not my match of 2019. That still is Omega versus Tanahashi, and I also preferred Lucha Brothers versus LAX from Impact Home and coming too, but this is a very close third. I really enjoyed this match. What made what made it your match of the year, Jason? So I think my previous match of the year was from Wrestle Kingdom with Osprey versus Abushi, and that was a very good match in terms of you know, the athletic performance. This one was a bit better because of the storytelling involved. They had it was about it was about Johnny's character. You know, they started off friendly enough with the reversals and chain wrestling. It built up with more risk taking. Johnny questioning who he was when he pulled back the exposed the concrete and didn't go for the move, but then nearly cost him the match. Him getting more hungry and angry, eventually, you know, resorting to these moves on the outside onto the exposed concrete to win the match, having that confidence that he was going to win it. Um, I, win. Just, I mean, yeah, I win. And the, but it was, it was the overall, they told a great story here. And these two are amazing in the ring, right? You've got Ricochet's flips and everything they were doing was up there with Osprey and Ibushi on that level. But it, had oh, yeah. dra- it just had the extra drama of what they're doing with Johnny right now. I think they replicated one of the spots where Ricochet just flipped over Gargano and did an extra flip and just looked back at Gargano and go, and what? I really love that. I'd imagine there was a private message from Osprey to Ricochet at some point in the last couple of days about that (laughs) clear reference. Osprey's probably going to try and do one better now. Um, But yeah, I... Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this match. I think it solidifies my opinion that Gargano is probably the best wrestler on the planet right now. So yeah, Gargano's storytelling is absolutely immaculate. Um, he, the way he used the actual floor, and um, both occasions like not using a floor, then using the floor, and then hitting the springboard DDT for the win, instead of going for his usual uh, the Gargano escape submission hold. I thought that was inventive. Well, not inventive, but it was just a unique way of telling that story. You can't have Ricochet tap out, right? So I thought it was just a really, really good match, really good finish. The way he said, I win, and the way that was replicated later on, which we'll get on to. Yeah, I can see why it's your match of 2019. I can see why it's your match of 2019. I really love this match too. It's another five-star match that this year has had already. It's a hell of a bar to beat for the rest of the year. Indeed, indeed. And unfortunately, unfortunately for uh, Bianca Bella and Shayna Baszler, they could not really match that bar at all. Um, I will say it was a good match. Um, we saw Shayna Baszler lose. Uh, sorry, we saw Shayna Baszler win and beat the previously undefeated Bianca Bella. Uh, to retain the NXT Women's Championship. I eventually got my words out there, like Renee Young on commentary. So, yeah, this match had me believing that Bianca was going to leave champion at one point, but the second Kurafuda clutch, and it was over. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting match. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I think I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them trying to follow up on that match that happened just before this one. That, that was going to be a hard one. I don't think anyone could have followed up on that. Um, yeah. but I, thought I enjoyed it. Um, Blair still looked strong. You know, I think she had the clear win at some point with all the ref bumps and the MMA ladies ruining it for her. The thing that stood out to me was that hair whip. There were some people that told me that hair whip is a stupid spot and it doesn't hurt. <laughs> look, at the, look at that cut that was on Baser after she got whipped. That looked nasty. Oh, it was dreadful, dreadful spot to look at. I mean, oh, lacerated uh, Shayna. I think um, I think this match did a very good job of putting Bianca over as a strong contender. The way that she had the visual pin after the KOD, I think that's what a finisher is called. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and then only for Duke and Shafir to interfere, um, getting rid of both Duke and Shafir 
only for Shane to lock in the Kirifuda clutch again. And that was pretty much all she wrote for this match. I mean, solid, but it was never going to be able to stand out with the matches around it. Agreed, agreed. So let's move on to the main event. And Tommaso Ciampa unsurprisingly beat Alistair Black to retain the NXT Championship. Uh, he hit the third fairy tale ending. Black couldn't recover in what was a good but ultimately predictable bout. However, it is the end of the show that got people talking as Gargano joined Ciampa in his celebrations. And is a heel DIY born? I don't think a heel DIY is born. We shall have to wait and see where this goes. I guess we'll have to see how this happens at halftime each on Sunday in terms of these guys being on the same team. See see where that ends up going and if they get along or what they end up, you know, what the kind of exchange will be. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting how they lead into New York. Um, I'm kind of sad that there was a brawl after the closing moment. I know, and it was only to advertise the return of halftime heat. I, I kind of wish it just ended with a heel DIY celebration. Um, I'm not sure where they go next. I don't think they're going to be competing for the tag titles anytime soon. But, you know, I trust NXT's booking. They've done a great job so far with the storyline. I feel like we're coming to the end game of this, though. So. I'm still, I've been loving this storyline for a couple of years. I'm interested where every time, every time there's a little twist or something happens, it's been good. So I'm, I trust yeah. them. Yes, two and a half years of DIY, absolutely amazing. Uh, the match itself, let's just go into that for a bit. I thought Alistair Black did a great selling of his knee. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was quite well done in terms of struggling to lift um, Champa's head at one point to hit the black mass and struggling when he was on yeah. the top rope. It was quite cleverly done, I think. Yeah, and, and I also like the... Psychology. With the flashbacks uh, to the North American title match where the map, the concrete was exposed on the arena floor once again. I also really enjoyed the fact that Tommaso Ciampa said, I win, after he pinned Alistair Black to retain the NXT title. I thought that was a... I thought those were really good and teasing that DIY reunion that we saw at the end and I can't wait to see what happens next on NXT. Oh, yeah, a little thing on there as well that I've noticed a noticing online. Um, that exchange afterwards, Ricochet pushes Johnny and Champa is the one that comes in and pushes him back. It's almost like Champa and like just instinctively stands up for Johnny in that moment during the brawl when they have that on the stage. That's just something to look out for, which is sort of quite a, huh. quite a funny little thing that people have been noting. Again, the little touches like you were just talking about. But yeah, I mean, overall, match was good. Interesting use of a water slip, which you don't see very often. <laughs> sort of slowed down yeah. black. Um, the the Chekhov water bottle. Yeah, again, the, and the black mass it was it was a thing of beauty, and with a clever little way of getting out of Champa getting pinned by sliding onto his side instead. Um, yeah. I mean, oh yes, that's great. Black looks strong for fairy tale endings to actually beat him in the end. So I think was it four? I think it was a total of four that were hit. When you look at it, it was because there was two oh, earlier on, and then it was two at the end. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's impressive. So he looks good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Black's done in NXT after halftime heat and he's moving on to something on SmackDown, maybe. What we shall see. Yeah, he wasn't on SmackDown or Raw, so he's he's going to be staying around in NXT, I think. Yeah, but I think solid match. These two are always going to be good. And I enjoy seeing Champa as the champ. And yeah, Black's still got his Rumble moment, so you got to enjoy that. Um, yeah, I don't know where this is going to go next, mm. but I enjoy NXT because I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of uh, NXT. So just very quickly so we can wrap this up because we have been recording a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just quickly grade this event and who is your MVP of the night? Uh, MVP, I'm going to go with Ricochet because that match was amazing, but just because some of the stuff he does blows my mind when you see some of the flips mm-hmm. that he's doing. But it you could have picked so many people on this show. Um, I'll give this an A. I'm going to give this a B plus just because it wasn't as good as any of last year's takeovers. That being said, it was still a very good takeover show and it had that one five-star match with Johnny Gargano and Ricochet. I'm going to go for the other half of that match just because his storytelling has been immaculate. And once again, my MVP is Mr. Johnny Takeover, Johnny Gargano. I could have gone either way, so I can't fault your choice. Yeah. No, and I can't fault your choice either. The Ricochet was also really, really fantastic. 
But that's all for this week. Join us next week as we return to more regular form and we'll be discussing the latest issues in the world of professional wrestling. But that's all from us here at Holy Shoot. We hope you've enjoyed the show and remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets and give us a follow on Twitter at Holy Shoot Pod and like us on Facebook. Now that's the bottom line because this pod said so.